You're listening to the Finding Christ in the Old Testament series, preaching by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Uh, I'd ask everyone else to take their Bibles, look at 2 Kings chapter 2, and then find, if you can, and hold your place in Hebrews chapter 13 this morning. <clears throat> we will eventually end there. Do not fear, we're not starting at Kings and working our way all the way through Hebrews. We will skip a few books in between there and then be in the book of Hebrews. How many folks this morning, you are familiar with Teddy Roosevelt? You know the name. Okay, almost all of you. He was the 26th U.S. president. <clears throat> he was a man's kind of man. If you're familiar at all with him, you would, you would know the story of the Rough Riders, that he, I believe, retired at the time from politics, joined the American-Spanish War, and later came home as a war hero. He was a man who was really bigger than life. He, he has gone down as one of the five greatest presidents in U.S. history. Roosevelt, when he was in office, was slated to speak at a conference in Milwaukee. And stepping out of the car, a man approached him and shot him in the chest. The doctors urged him to go to the hospital. Instead, he headed for the auditorium to give his speech. When he, re- when he re- arrived at the auditorium, he reached into his coat jacket and pulled out a blood-stained manuscript and then spoke for 90 minutes. Could you imagine? Incredible. He died in 1919, and when he passed, his youngest son sent cable, a cable, to Europe. His brothers were on the battlefield at the time, and, and made this statement. This is all he said. The old lion is dead. The old lion is dead. An era has ended. And when a figure like that steps off the scene, it's a little unsettling because a figure like that gives security and peace and a sense of well-being and someone's in control of this thing. And so one would ask, what do we do now? What happens next? Where do we go from here? At times like this, our lives can be filled with anxiety, apprehension, uncertainty, and unsettling. Here's the deal this morning. Those seismic shifts in life happen to all of us in one degree or another. There are times in each one of our lives that something happens, whether it's big or small, whether it's a tremor or a, or a catastrophe, a major quake in our lives, and all of a sudden we are filled with anxiety, we're filled with Apprehension, we're filled with uncertainty and unsettling. Some of those things are minor tremors. We, we moved this week out of a home that we lived in for 18 years. Um, and a really weird experience, driving to church this morning. It's the strangest thing. It's not walking across to... Uh, the, the church here. And so I think it was last Wednesday 
we had all of our stuff out. And thank you to everyone who helped and offered and the food that was made and the people that came. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as Wednesday, we were going out, and Kim was just mopping her way out of the house with tears. And we closed the door, and we left. And um, we love our new place. We love all of our new neighbors. We don't have any. And, um, <laughs> um, but, but it's a funny deal because you, you, this, and this excitement and anticipation, and finally you get into this new place, and all of a sudden you think, what in the world did we do? I mean, everything was comfortable, everything was easy, everything was, we were familiar with that. And so it's, it's a shift in our life, and it's, it's a little uncomfortable. And this morning, we did what everybody in our church has done. We drove by the house and looked in the windows. <laughs> Sometimes it's an election, right, that, that we are comfortable with a party, and all of a sudden there's change. In our, in our town, there's a new mayor, and for some, that's exciting. For some, it's unsettling. In the States, there was that, the blue wave or a new president or prime minister. <clears throat> at times, it's a position at work. Financial downturn. Downsizing. Maybe some of you folks have lived a life where you've never had to experience a change in a job or the loss of work. And if, if that's you, you've been blessed. But i got to tell you something. When you've got a job or you lose it, and the, the idea of income, I mean, that's unsettling. I'll never forget, Kim and I were first married, and we, we were painting, and it was going into the fall season, and there wasn't any work. I was 20, oh, probably 20 years old at the time. And um, I remember going door to door in Lakewood, Ohio, with a rake in my hand, asking people as a married man if I could rake their yard to make money. Ever been there? Yeah, some of you folks have been there, right? It's unsettling. It causes anxiety not knowing what happens next. Sometimes they're not small tremors. Sometimes they're bigger. Bigger. Babies are beautiful. We've, we've been blessed with lots of babies. Sam is here this morning with her little girl. It's Adelaide. And the name has changed, so I won't even attempt it. It used to be Grace, and now it's Tammy Leal. Adelaide, Tammy Leal. It takes me months to get the names down, but I will have this one, I promise you. And it's a joyful thing, but, but you know if you've had babies, um, it, it's a major change in your life, especially the first one. We took Anthony home for the first time, so excited. Our first child, after five years, I remember taking Kim down in the car and putting AJ in the car seat that took me hours to figure out how to work the thing. I don't know why they make it like that. It was a nightmare. I'm sweating and sweat going down my face. And we get him in, and Kim and I sat in the car. We put our seatbelts on, and then we looked in the back seat, and we looked at each other and said, what in the world have we done? No idea what life would hold. For us, babies will do that. Sometimes there are catastrophic quakes in our homes with broken homes, broken marriages, and broken lives. Divorce, a terrible thing. And I understand that we are sinful creatures and, and there are people even in our church who have been 
the victims of divorce. Maybe you've been the perpetrator of divorce. We thank God for grace, but divorce is one of those things that's a major, major seismic shift. The spouse who is left and for the children. And I speak to you not as someone who's read about it, but at seven years old, I know what that is. And your world has changed. It's just changed. Sometimes it's the seismic shift of the loss of a loved one. Someone in our life that was bigger than life. I've been blessed, actually, over the years to have good, strong, godly men in my life. I have. And, and one of those... One of those men were Roy Thompson. He was a pastor of Cleveland Baptist Church. And he started that church as a young man. He started in his living room with his family. And one neighbor in his living room started that church back in the 50s. And when he retired, the church ran 2,000 members on a Sunday night. Still running 2,000 people on a Sunday night. And I'll I'll never forget the, the day that he died. It was like this era had stopped and finished. And Kim and I were in Cleveland, and we went up to the front to um, console Ruthie, his youngest daughter. And I'll never forget what she said. In tears, she said, he's gone, and who will we run to now for answers and help? He was that big in life. For others this morning, it's a spouse. He's no longer here. She's gone, or a child, or a friend. These are seismic shifts in life, and they can be devastating. And whether you realize it or not, this is exactly what's happening in our text this morning. Um, Israel, remember who we're Israel. Israel is the northern tribe. Um, they are a nation of apostates. They have followed First, Jeroboam's worship of Baal, the bull, and then Ahab screwed it all up um, uh, as he went with uh, Jezebel and, and her group and a crowd. What did Jezebel, who's Jezebel's, what did she worship, Baal too? Yeah, same deal. Am I right on that? Okay, thank you. I've not been listening to my own sermons for the last several months, all right? And so they're apostates. And yet Elijah is the true prophet of God. He is the one who they look to. And everybody everybody who knows anything in chapter 2, they sense that something big is about to happen. And over and over again, hey, Elisha, do you know that Elijah is leaving? And and everybody knows, but no one wants to talk about it. And every time it comes up, Elijah says, "Shh, shh, 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 don't talk about this. Stop. This is enough. Don't want to talk about this because they knew things were changing. People were on edge. Remember, they were the remnant church. They weren't the majority. Years prior to this, Jezebel tried to wipe them out. And so Elijah, the old lion, is about to pass off the scene. And he's bigger than life for them. And there's real uncertainty. There's real apprehension. There's an unsettling in the midst of chapter 2. You can tell how big of a character Elijah was by what Elijah says about him. People think, well, Elijah was swept up in a chariot of fire and went to heaven. That's not what the text says. 
the text says that he went up in a whirlwind. And what Elijah says is, as Elisha sees Elijah go, he says that you are the chariot of Israel, you are the defense of Israel. Having Elijah there was like having a division of infantry. He was the right politician. He was the right position at work. He was the right place to live. He was the right person who was a rock, who was secure, who was strong, who brought comfort. And now he is gone. And it's unsettling. The old lion is dead. What do we do now? As you read chapter 2, here's what you have. You have Elijah and Elijah together. They start in Bethel. They go from Jericho and then to Jordan. You can watch the movements there. And then what, what happens then, Elijah's gone, and we see Elisha alone, and then we work our way backwards, Jordan, Jericho, and Bethel. It, it's in there for a reason. There is a purpose for this. And it's important to know because it helps us follow the story. Thank you, Mark. That's, that's fantastic. Elijah and Elijah cross the river. These sons of the prophets see it happen, and they see the miracle of what Elijah does. They cross over, but that's all they see. They don't know. They understand he's leaving. Uh, and then they look again, and now Elijah's gone. Elisha is there by himself. He goes back to the Jordan, and then he says out loud, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He had prayed for a double portion, which simply means the firstborn share. The firstborn in the Old Testament would get a double portion of the inheritance. And what he was saying is, Elijah, as I watched your life, as you've mentored me, as you've been a spiritual father, I pray for a double portion of your spirit once you leave. It's a strange sort of conversation, but he says, if you see me go, it will be granted. And if you don't, it won't. He sees him go. The mantle falls. He picks it up. And as the sons of the prophets watch him come back by himself, the question for them is, what happens now? Elijah's gone. And Elijah says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He takes the mantle and divides the water. We know that he received the double portion because what we see in the Jordan, and we know he received the double portion because in that structure, he retraces the exact steps that Elijah made going back and performing mighty mighty deeds. And this will come to play next week as we talk about Bethel. Elijah was the prophet of judgment. Elisha was the prophet of grace. Elijah, they're hard to get, you know, you get funnier there. But Elijah performed eight miracles, Elijah 16. And he asked the question, where is the God of Elijah? And all needed to hear the answer. The answer was, as the water parted, The God of Elijah is still here. The power and presence is still available. God's power reaches all of us, whether it's a tremor or a quake. Now, just so you know, this is not the first time water in the Bible has parted. Right? Do you remember a time in the Bible in the Old Testament when water parted? Anybody know? Blah, 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 blah. Red Sea, very good. The Red Sea, the water parted. Do you know a time before this that the Jordan parted? Because it did. It happened after Moses, 
when Israel is going into the promised land, Joshua 3.16, the Jordan parts again. And so, understand, here are the sons of the prophets. They're all on edge. What happens next? They see Elijah, the great leader, part the water. They come back and hear Elijah say, where's the God, the Lord God of Elijah? And the water parts again. And the point is this. Just as it parted in the Jordan in 1400 B.C., the Bronze Age, the God who parted that is the same God of 850 B.C., the Iron Age, who parts the water. And he is the same God of the 21st century Information Age. He is still alive and well. What this remnant needed to know is that God's power was still available to them. And what this remnant needs to know this morning in your time of confusion, anxiety, uncertainty, and unsettling, that the power of God is available to us as well. God is not just historical. He is also contemporary. And this morning, listen to me, all of our worlds will shift. All of them. There's a song that one of the lines in the song was, the only thing that's certain is uncertainty. As I pan through this audience, there are people who've had major shifts in their life. There are others who had minor shifts in their life. But it's coming to all of us. And in those times, there's great anxiety and uncertainty. But I want you to know something. The message that this remnant got in 850 B.C. is the same message today that there is one who is certain. There is one who is stable. There is one who is a rock. There is one who doesn't change. There is one who is the same. And may I introduce you this morning to the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 13 this morning. It says exactly that. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, wherever you find yourself this morning, it is imperative that you understand that in your uncertainty, in your anxiety, in your apprehension and unsettling, there is one thing that will not change, that cannot change, that will never change. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is the hope that that remnant needed, and this is the hope that you and I need this morning as well. He is forever the same. He is the same in his character. Not just a long existence, Jesus Christ. Right? It's not like, well, that's plastic and it stays in the landfill for 10,000 years. Mm-mm. We're not talking about that. We're talking about Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning that he is eternal. From eternity past to eternity future, Jesus Christ is the same. I was looking at a report the other day, it was actually a blog, and it was talking about Andy Stanley's new book, Irresistible. And there's a longer title, but that's the beginning of it. And, and I think that Andy Stanley really longs to have people come to Christ in our contemporary world today. 
I don't fault him for what he's doing, but what he says is this. Well, I do fault him, because what he says is this. He says, listen, our biggest problem in the church today is we're so connected to the Old Testament that we need people to see the newness of Christ and what he brought, and the Old Testament's too hard and difficult. Move away from the Old Testament. There's a problem with that. You cannot understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. And you cannot understand Jesus Christ and his gospel without the Old Testament. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about as far as Christ's character. Um, Micah 5.2 But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, it's a prophecy about Christ, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. Even in the Old Testament, as they thought about this one who was coming, they knew he would be born, but that wasn't the beginning of his existence. He is from old, from everlasting. Listen to what John says. Actually, the Lord says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty One. Listen, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever in his character. He is the eternal, immutable God. And when we come to these areas of shifts in our lives, whether they're minor or major, we must do what all the saints have done. They look to the unchangeable God of heaven and put their confidence and trust in him and him alone. Listen to what the Old Testament saints said when problems would arise. Psalm 46.1 God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Listen to what they said in the midst of political change. This is from Isaiah. If you read the chapter, there's lots of change happening. Israel's in a bad place. Here's what God says to them. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, let him be your dread, and he shall be for a sanctuary. That when the world's turned upside down, and theirs was Israel and Jerusalem, it's a mess. And God says, listen, look to me, I will be your sanctuary. It doesn't matter who's in the White House, who's in Ottawa, it doesn't matter blue, red, liberal, Democrat, conservative, Republican, it doesn't matter. Our confidence is not in that. There is only one Savior. One. And his name is not Trump. His name is not Trudeau. His name is Jesus Christ. And so when these problems arise, we look to our God. When there is personal danger. Again, Isaiah 43, verse 2. When thou pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And even when we pass into death, John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, the words of Jesus Christ. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever in his character. He is the eternal God. 
And as our life changes, He never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever in His control. He said, all power is given unto me. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when He walked on this planet, He proved that by what He did. Here was the God-man who walked in our streets, and he saw a leper and said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus reaches and touches him and makes him clean. He looks to the multitudes, and he has compassion on them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. He feeds and takes care of them. He, he answers their needs. He is in control of the situation. He tells the winds and the waves to be silent, and even the dead to rise to life. Don't you think this morning that, the, that this Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the one who created order out of chaos, is not capable of creating order in your life of chaos? Do you not think that the one who said, let there be light in darkness, can transform the darkness of our hearts this morning? Do you not think that the one who touched the leper can heal our body and soul? And do you not know that the one who trampled over every, every principality and power can and will bruise Satan under our feet? His arm is not short that he cannot save. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. In his character, in his control, in his compassion. Just as he healed the broken, just as he wept with Mary and Martha at the death of their brother Lazarus, we have an eternal high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. And he doesn't change. Does Jesus care when my heart is grieved, the old songwriter said. And the chorus says, yes, he cares. I know he cares. He's touched with the feeling of my infirmity. And in our anxiety and in our uncertainty, he will not break a bruised reed. And he will not extinguish a smoldering wick. Instead, this same Jesus who never changes will bring beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for heaviness. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is the same with his cross and the power to save. Listen to Revelation 13.8. It's, it's an interesting verse. It says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written, in the book of life of the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That Jesus Christ was as a Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offer himself without, blood to God, or without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Here is Christ and the power of his cross. We would say it's efficacious, which means the cross will accomplish what the cross is meant to accomplish, and that is this. It's meant to save the sinner from death. And that cross is Christ crucified before the foundation of the world. That the cross of Christ is the answer for our sin. The reason David in Psalm 51 could say, Lord, wash me, is because the cross of Christ. It will never lose its power. The reason Saul, who later became Paul, could turn is because the power of the cross of Jesus Christ and the reason today that you and I can be saved from our sins and reconciled to God is because Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. We can be saved. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood 
lose all their guilt and stain. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never, ever lose its power. This is our Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the shifts of our life and in our uncertainty, we must look to him. Now, as we close this morning, I just want to give you three points from our text in Hebrews as we face the trials of life. Look back at Hebrews chapter 13 this morning. And Hebrews 13, 8 is not on its own here. There's verse 7 and 9. Verse 7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 9, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. In our seismic shifts, three things. Number one, we must glory in him. My friend, wherever you find yourself this morning, understand this, that there is one who is static. There is one who is eternal. There is one who never changes. He is the unchanging God. Therefore, this morning, he is worthy of all of our love, all of our trust, and all of our confidence. It is Christ and Christ alone. Too many of us, we put our trust, our confidence, our well-being, our security in everything but God. In everything but Christ. We put it in a political party. We put it in a man or a woman. We put it in a financial security and my investments. And the truth is, none of those things are secure. They will all pass away. There is one who is consistent. There is one who is faithful. There is one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And we, as God's people, must glory in him and him alone. I read a a quote last week, I think it was, in our Sunday school. And it was a quote from Katie Piazza, the, the young lady we've been praying for her daughter, Colette. From the time she was born, for her first year of life, had brain surgeries, trying to remove this tumor. And the tumor we found out has been removed. She's not cancer-free, but the tumor is removed, and we rejoice in that. But the week before the family knew if the chemo was working or would have worked, 50-50 chance, right? This little one-year-old girl, Colette. Here's what her mother asked Katie if she felt God's peace. And this is before they knew what was coming. It could have been tragic. She said this, So very much. Not only peace, but I feel like I am going to burst with joy. Whatever happens with Colette, I will always have Christ. That I can never lose. And if I have him, I can do anything. There will always be a wellspring of joy and peace, no matter what. How different is that response from most of ours? If I have Christ, it's all good. But that's not how we think. We don't glory in Christ. We glory in what we think will bring us security and certainty and peace and that person and that thing. And what I'm telling you this morning is this. None of that works. It can't work. 
Because it's not eternal. And Christ is. And if I have him, I have it all. I have it all. So, church, we as a body must glory in him. Number two, we must guard against everything that would distract us from this. In Hebrews 13, 7, the writer says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation or lifestyle. The writer of Hebrews says, listen, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, guard against anything that would distract. Follow the word. The word. The word of God. Hey, lots of philosophies, lots of things out there. But the truth is, we have not only the living word of Christ, we have the written word of Christ. We are to follow that word. In your time of anxiety and fear and uncertainty, where do you run? Or I gotta make a phone call. I gotta go see them. I gotta talk to them. We ought to be running to the word of God. It would solve 90% of our problems. Follow the word. And then verse number nine says, Flee wrong philosophy. There's a lot of nonsense out there today. A lot of coping mechanisms in your anxiety and in your fear and your apprehension. They're out there. But they're wrong philosophies because if you exclude Christ, you've lost the answer. There is no answer without him. And flee a false reliance on man. There are people in our lives, I know, listen, listen, We all have people that when they come into a room, it's like, oh, they're here. Oh, it was crazy, but you guys came. It's it's awesome that you're here. But listen, there is coming a day when they will not be there. So what do we do? We follow the God that they followed because he remains the same. So we glory in him. We guard against everything that would distract from that. And finally, We need to be growing in him. Look at John chapter 1, verse 16. And of his fullness have we all received. And grace for grace. I don't care how long you've been a believer, how long you've been in church, what you think you know, we must be growing in him. Of his fullness. Fullness of Christ. The one who will inherit all things, the God of heaven. We must be growing in him. This morning, do not put your security and confidence in a political party. Do not put it in your position at work. Do not put it on the place that we live or the person that you run to. In order to deal with our anxiety and uncertainty, we must put our confidence in Christ because... He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character does not change. His control does not change. His compassion for you does not change. And the cross of Christ will never lose its power. And we can glory in that this morning. And so, wherever you find yourself, whether it's a small tremor or catastrophic, run to the only one who never changes, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.